you stand with us this evening? Let's praise the Lord. I came, I came to lift you up in the sanctuary. I came to lift you up to give you all the praise. I came to lift you up, give you all the glory. I came, I came, I came, I came to lift you up. Well, I came to lift you up in the sanctuary. I came to lift you up. How many came tonight to do that very thing? Lift up the name of Jesus. I know why. That's why I fought rain and a little bit of cold this, this evening to come into the house of the Lord and lift his name up. I wanted to share a quick announcement, if I could, as we get into service tonight. A reminder about the Thanksgiving service this Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And I think that enough has been said about donuts and cider after, after that. The fellowship following the service. But also there will be no Wednesday night service this week. And we want to make you aware that the church Christmas banquet will be Sunday night, December 21st. And if you're coming to this year's carry-in dinner, then we need you to sign up online at shogcom or call the church office and get to talk to one of these beautiful ladies that answers the phone here at the church. Wonderful ladies uh, by December 7th. And also, it is free. It's a carry-in dinner, but it is free to all that come, but space is limited to 240 people. So see the bulletin for more information. Somebody said amen. amen. All right. We're so glad that you're here tonight. We want to welcome you here on this incredible night. I believe ministry is going to happen tonight. I think that God is going to do amazing things in our midst every time we get together. Amen. I believe he has plans. So with that being said, would you get out of your seat and hug a neck, shake a hand tonight, welcome each other into the house of God.
that sings our praise is our God. Give me praise today. Amen. In the same worship, in the same atmosphere, we're going to take up the offering tonight. As the usher would come, there's so much to be thankful about this time of year. He's a great and awesome, mighty God that takes care of us. If you take the time and stop and think about the good things that he is and all the stuff that he does, we're just overwhelmed. It's the things that we give thanks for, but then that turns our attention to God right away. Who gives the things? You can sit down. Sorry. Turns our attention to God that gives and God that blesses tonight. An act of worship and love we're going to give tonight. An act of thanksgiving we're going to give tonight in the offering. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. And thank you, Lord, for your work that's here. God, we appreciate a year that you've brought us through. A, a time, Lord, that's been tough and a time that maybe it's been hard, but it's been a time of victory and a time that, that you've been a blessing and you showed up in beautiful and wonderful ways. And we appreciate all your work. We just pray that you would bless tonight the offering that's given, Lord, out of, the, out of the hearts that give it. God, we want it to be a blessing to you and to your kingdom. And God, we pray that you would minister to every person that gives and let your work and will be accomplished and done in it. Because we honor you and we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Isn't this a good-looking choir? Wow. They've been in since... they've been. They've been in here since quarter till five. We're working on Christmas, and it's going to be great this year. <clears throat> we've got all the groups, uh, Esperanza. We've got Celebrate Recovery. We've got the Mutes and, uh, and then Exaltation. We're going to all be going together and singing together, and I can't wait for you to hear the close when we do the Hallelujah Chorus. It's going to be pretty awesome. And Mo's been writing drama for us we're going to have we're going to just have it all you're going to get to hear all the groups sing and uh, then the week before that on the 8th uh, we're having our children's program they're back in the back right now working on that so uh, we got music from way down to way up and uh, it's just awesome i somebody says oh do we do this just so you can see a big choir i said no we do this so we can be unified and um, sometimes in music, I don't know why that is. You know, my job's the hardest job because I've got Satan's job. He was the worship leader. And he got kicked out, and he's been mad at me ever since. And he, he goes into music departments, and he puts divisions in there. We are not going to let that happen here. I promise you, we are not going to let that happen. Hallelujah. We want anointed singers and musicians, and we're going to involve them all. We're going to sing one of my favorite songs. Angie wrote it, and I love this song. We want to honor you, Lord. Two, three, four.
Stand with me tonight. Give him glorious praise. Give him glory and honor and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we lift you up and honor you tonight. We're not too tired to praise you. We're not too tired to remember what you've done for us, God. We praise you tonight. We honor your name. That name that is above every name. That name that causes the enemy that has taunted you, has attacked you, has tried to knock you out and tear you apart. That name that is above every name, the name of the one who brings deliverance, that enemy that has tried to rip that name from your faith and from your heart, tonight I call his name. And in his name there is power and there is glory and there is honor tonight. Give him praise. Come on, give him glorious praise tonight. Don't you know... Don't you know that the enemy, every time you whisper the name of Jesus, you may whisper it in the midnight hour. You may whisper it in the trying time. It may feel like it's darkest midnight and there is no hope for you. But if you'll call out that name, the Bible says all power is given. All power. Oh, you aren't hearing me tonight. You're tired. You, you, you wanted to sit at home and, and sit in the recliner tonight. I'm telling you, that name has power tonight. That name will set you free. That name will restore your soul. That name will give joy back into your heart and life. You whisper that name in the enemy. He trembles. I remember an old preacher from back in the 1800s said this, and no more powerful words were ever spoken. He said that the enemy, the devil, fears and trembles at the weakest Christian on his knees. As you call on that name, oh, I know the enemy is doing his best. I know he's out there rip-roaring and trying to attack the people of God. I know he's trying to tear down our faith. He's trying to tear down our impact on the world. But let me tell you, there's still power in the name of Jesus Christ tonight. There's power to overcome. There's power that'll cause you to be victorious yet. There is power in that name for you yet. Like Paul, you might have been shipwrecked, beaten, put in chains. You might have had everything in the world go wrong. But it doesn't matter tonight. Hear me and hear me clear. If I was coming in the name of the church of God, as I said this morning, we'd be hopeless. If I was coming in the name of Pastor Cameron, we'd be hopeless. He's a good guy. But he's not your redeemer. There isn't a man or a woman on the face of this earth that's your redeemer. I'm telling you, that one who is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you tonight, praying for you tonight, now in this moment, has not given up on you, and there is victory for you yet. That is a word from the Lord. There's victory for you yet. What's that old song we sing around here? The devil thought he had me, but Jesus reached down and grabbed me. The enemy thought that he had it all tied up. He thought he had you hook, line, and sunk. But you are victorious tonight. Yet. 
You ought to look the devil right in the face and say, you meant to knock me out, but I'm telling you, I'm standing right back up, and I'm going to walk the moderately. In the name of Jesus, there's victory yet for the children of God that will turn to him in the midst of their trials, in the midst of the dungeon, in the midst of feeling like you don't have a prayer out of the pit. I'm telling you, God is here. And he's here to make sure you understand you're to walk out of here with your... The enemy's tried to slouch you over, tried to get you to just be weak and beggarly, tried to turn your countenance sad. I'm here to tell you tonight, you just get a little glimpse of the power that's in that name. You get a little glimpse of what Jesus intends for you. Yet, yet, you're going to walk out of here a different man, a different lady, when you trust in God. I want you to lift your hands all over this sanctuary tonight. Let him touch you right where you are. You don't need a big-time evangelist to lay his hands on you. All you need right now is the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 5. Let me tell you what happens when you get a glimpse of what Jesus can do. Yet. That wasn't in my notes anywhere, but yet it's taken over the night. Because you've come in here and you, you almost have an attitude that just says, well, you know, here I am. And I'm just going to carry on. I'm just going to carry on. I'll keep calm, carry on till the shuttle comes. Oh, he means, he means for you so much more than that. He means victory. He means overcoming power. He yet wants to restore you and fill you with joy. Oh, he wants it to be unspeakable and full of glory. You have been wounded and attacked and hurt. Everything has come down. In the name of Jesus. Oh, let the one who avenges his children. In the name of Jesus. Pour strength in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. He is here right now. He's here right now. The Lord of glory. The bright and morning star. Your Prince of Peace, he's here, he's here right now. I'm not singing any song I know. He's passing right by you now. He's come, he's come with healing in his wings for you. He stands with 
deliverance for you. Trust Him tonight. Trust Him tonight. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. He is here. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. All the education, all the credentials, everything we can attain in this life don't mean a hill of beans. Ain't nothing more important than just knowing that he's here. He's here and he met you. Holy Spirit of God. Oh, Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. You know, it was Peter. The Bible says he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. You remember him standing at the enemy's fire, warming his hands. Hey, aren't you with him? You were one of his companions. He cursed and said, no. Oh, that hurt his soul. That hurt his heart. Peter knew what it was to stand in a place where he needed something. He needed something. He needed Jesus once again to just show him that love. He wanted to know he was in right standing with his Lord. He, He needed that so much. But you know, By the time we get to Acts, boy, Peter's a different man, isn't he? You know why? I believe I know why. Because Jesus, Jesus, when he looked into the eyes of the lady who first saw him after his resurrection, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. You know, by the time she got back to them and She said those words. He wanted me to tell all you boys. And Peter, he specifically said to tell you, but I failed. I'm beaten. I feel the Lord here tonight. I'm bruised and I'm battered. I denied him. Are you sure, Peter, he called your name? He said, tell all my disciples and Peter. And he said, he did. And I see him all over this sanctuary tonight calling your name. Calling out your name. Thank you, Jesus. And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been, he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel. Remember now, this is the boy who denied him three times. The boy that he called his name out, restored him instantly. He said, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you remember him, the one you crucified, guilty. Whom God raised from the dead, he is the supernatural son of God. By him, this man stands here before you whole. He looked at him and he said, this is the stone which was rejected by your builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. Oh, he's not backward and timid and shy now, is he? For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now get this. No more fires. No more hiding. No more running. No, he'd been restored. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Father, I ask that you will take human words and anoint them with your Holy Spirit to speak directly to the hearts of your people tonight. Speak to us by your Spirit and by your words. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived these were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized, they acknowledged, they saw that they had been with Jesus. They knew something was different about them, but... Their comments about them being uneducated and common, those, that was not a compliment. So what we have is the Jewish leaders were astonished by the boldness that they had. They weren't impressed with their background, but they realized that they had been with Jesus. How did they know that? Their education didn't show it. The training didn't show it. The credentials, they didn't have any. All of their religious pedigree, there was none of that. It was in the spirit-filled boldness that they had. Peter, now, this one that had denied him, this one that needed restored, it was in Peter and John's boldness, bold as a lion, I always say. I love it when I feel the boldness of a lion. And that's usually when I know that I know that I know, just like I know tonight that the Lord is in the house. I feel bold tonight. But I recognize that the way that the, the men, the, the, 
these elders and these folks, the way they recognized the difference in Peter and John was that they saw their boldness to speak, their boldness to witness. There's going to be a difference in your life. The history was that they had healed, they had just healed a crippled man in the temple. It was in Acts chapter 3, one chapter prior to the one we read. And the crowd gathered and when the crowd gathered, all they did was they saw the crippled man. They decided they'd pray for him. They wanted him, they just wanted to pray for him to be healed. But in that moment, doing that ordinary thing most Christians should do, they ended up in that situation moving into a, a, and a, a seizing a moment to preach the gospel and then get arrested, thrown in jail. And the next thing you know, they're preaching to the religious leaders you got to remember, they were standing in front of murderers. They were standing in front of murderers. These were the folks that had conspired just a few weeks earlier to crucify Jesus. But here they are in this boldness. Here they are as Peter stands up and seizes the moment. Peter's saying, this is my opportunity. This is the chance I get. This man, it wasn't very long ago that I hurt my own heart by standing at an enemy's fire. And it wasn't too many weeks ago that I was a defeated failure, I felt like. But now, here's my chance because ever since he called my name, I'm not going to be found denying him ever again. I'm going to stand bold. Why? Because he restored me. He knew what it was to have gone through the fire, felt the hopeless situation and be restored, and now he was determined that he was going to stand no matter what, and boy, did he ever. He went from shaky Peter to standing on a rock. Peter, he became his name. He became his name. He clearly identified, looked them square, those murderers square in the face, and he said, you're guilty. This one, remember him, Jesus, whom you crucified. Well, I'm sure they felt a little uncomfortable. He said, in whom God raised from the dead. Now he's declaring that he's the son of God. And then he went on to say, and there is no salvation in anyone else, for there is no other name under heaven whereby given where men must be saved. Salvation was in no other name. He was making a bold, bold declaration. Here in this situation, we see something clear. Crisis comes into your life, and when it does... You know, it used to be said, people used to say, crisis makes the man. That's a lie. Crisis doesn't make the man or the woman. Crisis reveals who they've been all along. A crisis in your life will reveal what's inside you. You got to be determined to allow the crisis in your life. We preached this morning, and I want to thank you for all the comp. Uh, Comments and all of the, the I, I've already received emails and text messages. So many people talking about the message this morning about can God set up a table in the wilderness? We've all found ourselves there in that hour where we feel we've been rejected, we feel forgotten, and we, we don't recognize or we have forgotten what God can do, and our present circumstances causes us to doubt whether or not God can do it, the things that we know He can do because He's God. But isn't it amazing that the children of Israel felt that way and we have felt that way. We're, not, we're just as guilty as they are at times of doubting God. Where are you, God? How come it didn't go the way I thought it was going to? How come I find myself wandering around like the children of Israel in this wilderness? 
And we found out from this morning that the ultimate test of the wilderness is that we pass it. That we are found faithful having come through it. Because God's going to keep his word. The question is, are you going to keep your faith? God's going to keep his word. If he fails you, you're the very first one in all of history that God will have failed. He's not going to fail you. God's going to come through. The question is not about God. The question is, do you remember who he is? And will you be found faithful? All around us, we see the signs that, that are everywhere. Christianity is under attack in the United States and around the world. Unbelievable where we find ourselves right now. The influence of the Christian church has, has went down. The numbers are low. The impact and the influence that Christianity has on the world has diminished. Why? Because people have, have literally forgotten who God is. Their representation of God is not the same. And simply this, they have forgotten what it is to have been with Jesus. The elders, the folks of Israel, the leaders noticed, were astonished that they had been with Jesus. If I could say one thing, and we'd close down service right now, I'd say this. Whatever you do, how often, however hard you want to work, no matter what you got yourself into, if you will get in the presence of Jesus, all will be well. If you can get to that place, if you can get in your prayer closet, if you can get back into that place where you can have and sense and feel the glorious presence of Almighty God, you do know what that feels like, don't you? You do know what it is to feel depressed through and to get into that place where you can feel his presence. Well, I remember, I remember, Pastor, but it's been a long time. I remember what that was like, but it's been so long. I'm telling you, there's no greater decision that you'll make than to make the decision that says, I'm going to get locked away until I am renewed in his presence. The disciples were normal, common, uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. It was obvious to the world. You know why the first and early church turned the world upside down? You want to know why revival brought thousands to the church added daily? You want to know why generations of the church grew and grew like wildfire? You want to know why it happened and now we find Christianity in this hour the closing hour before the Lord comes back? Do you know why we find it in decline? Because people no longer pursue the presence, the intimacy, and the reality of relationship with Jesus. They don't seek to be with him. That's the key. The verse here answered the question. They marveled because they noticed. They knew these guys had been with Jesus and being with Jesus makes all the difference. It makes your song different. It makes your, your playing different. It makes your preaching different. Being with Jesus is still the key ingredient to turning a world upside down. 
It's still the key ingredient to bringing this victory into your life that you need, being with Jesus. I'd like to tell you, I'd like to give you five keys or five steps that you need to take to get the victory, but I've only got one. It's found at the foot of a cross where Jesus Christ has died for you and I. It's there that you and I can find the victory to overcome in every situation of our lives. We have got to be with Jesus. You notice the disciples didn't say anything to They didn't say, well, we have been with Jesus. That's why we were able to do this and why we were able to heal this crippled man. No, they didn't say anything. It was just obvious. There'll be something in your face. It'll change the very countenance of who you are it'll change your circumstances it'll turn everything upside down if you'll just spend time getting alone with Jesus if you'll once again be empowered by that name that is above every name if you'll once again lay down every care and burden of this world quit having to have it your way quit trying to think it through your way quit trying to tell God how to run your life but lay it down and say nevertheless Lord not my will but yours be done when we get into that spot right there that's when the glory will come falling down that's when it changes that's when the circumstance changes we prayed this morning where's Russ there's Russ back there him and I agreed Terry Robinson had been under a heavy heavy uh, sickness all weekend long his temperature from Friday to Saturday to Sunday morning was 102 degrees. The doctors were worried about him. They had already taken him to the hospital. And there he was. Karen called and she, she got, put word on notice. She said, man, have some people agree. She goes, have somebody agree to pray for Terry. And you know, at 8.30, we stood down here at this early service. And me and Russ got together in the altar. And we stood in an agreement of prayer. And we said, we curse this temperature. We ask you, Lord, take hold of this situation right now. We agree together and stand. I said, not on our name and not on the name of a church or a preacher, but on the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus Christ and I want you to know by the time I got to my office after that service she texted me back she said praise the Lord his temperature dropped immediately down to 98.6 degrees that is God that's the power of prayer call it what you want to you call it whatever you want to, but I've seen it one too many times. I've seen, Jeanette, the power of the Lord come on the scene. I've seen things happen in the supernatural, and you've come too late to try to tell me that it's all coincidence and happenstance. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. But there's a difference, you see, in being around Jesus and being with Jesus. Did you hear me? I need you to interact, remember me. I close service faster if you say amen a lot. There's a difference in being around Jesus and being with him. There's a difference in being around Christians and being with Jesus. There's a difference in being around Christian events and services and being with Jesus. There's a difference being in church and being with Jesus. 
There's a difference. I mean to fight it, Albert. I mean to fight it every day of my ministry. The thing that I didn't realize, I had no idea when I came into pastoring eight years ago, I had no idea that I was going to fight a religious spirit every day of my pastoring. I had no idea, like an infection, like a virus, like an infection that comes in to the church. It just comes worming its way down every pew, and it tries to attack you. You can pray through on a Sunday night, and old religious spirit is waiting there on Sunday morning uh, or Monday morning trying to get you to fall prey back to that, wants to get you back entangled in all that. I never realized that would be the biggest thing that I would fight. But then I go back to the Word, and I see that it was the religious spirit that it literally was the ones who put Jesus on the cross. It was the religious spirit that the enemy had to use to bring the victory to his situation. It was the religious spirit that has always been the counterattack to the Spirit of God that's been at work in the world. Everywhere you look, it's a bunch of religious spirits that's running around trying to rip, roar, and tear down people. I'm telling you, don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in your works. Don't get caught up in your attitude and your testimony about how good you are. Remember, remember where he brought you from. Remember how he saved you. Remember where he pulled you up out of. Remember the mire and the clay that he found you in and stand flat-footed and give God praise and throw off every religion attitude and spirit that ever tries to attack you is that all right say amen they had been with Jesus they knew him intimately it was an unconscious influence that took over that is unbelievable the way their countenance changed and everything changed about who they were Peter he was a different man he was a different man when he stood up on that rock and preached in Acts chapter 2 and, and chapter 1 there as they were all getting ready. Man, I'm telling you, it was a totally different attitude. It was a different person. You go down one way. Listen to me. This is what happens when you give your life to Christ and when you give your heart in such a way that you been with him, not just about him, not just heard about him, not just sat through preaching, not just went to youth group, not just went to, to church service, and not just went to Bible study, not just went to Sunday school every, every day for the last 50 years. I'm telling you, when you have been with Jesus, there's a difference. And when you haven't been with Jesus, there is an obvious difference. I'm telling you, it is important tonight that we remember this is the truth of it all. We must be with him. We must have him. The Jewish leaders were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They were absolutely annoyed. When you're with Jesus, when you're with Jesus, what ended up happening in verse 4? Many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about five thousand boldness under pressure let me make this statement a divine life cannot be concealed it can't be concealed it can't be hidden when you've been with him oh if you find yourself sad and discouraged if you find yourself depressed going through the fire 
Let me tell you where to get your relief. It won't come through making another doctor's appointment or a psychiatrist's appointment. It won't come through a book or chasing down a televangelist. It won't happen in those ways. If you'll just find a few minutes to find yourself a corner somewhere, get down on your knees and begin to call on the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, it'll change. Your circumstances will change. It'll turn like night and day. You need to be determined that you'll stay there until it happens. There have been times I've had to stay in that mode of prayer for a little while. Sometimes it's not just like dippity-doo, a little dabble do you? Sometimes you got to pray through. How many remember what it's like to pray through? Sometimes you got you to be determined that you're going to seek him until you find him. He said in Jeremiah, if you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. I am in the mode tonight that says I don't have to accept my circumstances. I don't have to accept my wilderness. I don't have to accept the things that are coming in attack against me. If I will get in the presence of the Lord, he will empower me with his name and I will be an overcomer every one of us under the sound of my voice you are an overcomer tonight you're an overcomer oh hallelujah I'll fight it I'll fight it every day of my life don't you get caught up in that mamby pamby half-hearted religious junk don't you get a spirit on you. Don't you become a griper and a whiner and a complainer. Don't you be somebody. It's easy to sit back in the pew and just hold your arms and analyze what everybody else is doing. It's easy for you to become that person, but you be determined to shake that off and be determined that you'll be humble and broken in your heart and you'll give everything you've got to God and you won't allow that old evil spirit to get on you. And I'm telling you, that is what's tearing down the influence. That's what's tearing down the church's impact. That's what's tearing down the power of the name of the Lord in these last days. It's half-hearted, mamby-pamby, wishy-washy Christians. It's time for people to stand up and who will do it tonight stand up and say I give it all everything and I will be empowered by that name oh hallelujah glory to God glory to God glory to God thank you Jesus thank you Jesus what are the marks of someone who's been with Jesus what are those marks? How can you tell? Nothing says it better than in John chapter 1, verse 14. I'm with you, Liz. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Somebody pray right now. I can at least finish the message. Scripture that says Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's it. That's the marks of someone who's been with him. It's praying until you have the spirit of Christ. Full of spirit and truth. When you slay that old flesh. When you no longer blow up. When you no longer exploding in yourself. When you no longer walking in the flesh and leaning on the arm of flesh. When you no longer act like yourself. But you begin in truth and grace to act like Christ. 
when you see, when you get to the pearly gates, it's not going to be your talent. It's not going to be your song. It's not going to be your preaching. It's not going to be your teaching. It's not going to be your notoriety or your position. It's not going to matter. Oh, Peter's not going to look over at you and say, well, you served here and you served there and you were the minister here and you were the minister there. That ain't going to be mentioned anywhere. There's nothing. But you know what that I see in my heart? I see something else. I see him going, oh, here's another one. Looks just like Jesus. Come on in. We know who you are. Come on in. There's another one. Looks just like Jesus. There's another one. He'll, they'll know you the moment you step up. You know, you're wondering, will they find my name written there? Well, I believe that they won't even have to look, Peggy. I believe they'll be looking down through the line. And they'll say, oh, there's one. There's another one right there. You know why? Because you look just like Jesus. And when you and I begin to search him out and search that intimacy with him, and we begin to look like him, act like him, talk like him, I'm going to tell you what, we'll have a perfect church. We'll have a blessed church. We'll have an on-fire church. We'll have a church that people won't be able to get in here. It'll be so packed out. Well, that reminds me, this morning it was pretty packed, wasn't it? They were down on the front row. Isn't God good blessing the church? People got saved this morning, all kinds of things happening. God is doing that. You know why? Because we're determined that we're not going to be our own people with a religious spirit. We're going to be those that have been crucified with Christ. For it is not I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who gave his life for me. That's the key to living a victorious life. That's the one, Randy, that's been with Jesus. When you've been with him, you look like him. You want to. You just want to. When I'm in his presence, I, I want to love people. I'll never forget when I got saved. I'm not going to tell the whole story. Harry in 1981. Thursday night. But I'll never forget when I went down, Sister Peggy, and I got down on my, on my knees, and I came up. You see, I went down with some hate in me. I went down with some bitterness in me and some sinful thoughts and actions and temptations in me. I went down one way, but I came up another. And I'm going to tell you, there was a man I didn't like. I'd, I'd venture to say, girls, you might remember this, there was a man I did not like at all. He had hurt our family and hurt my mother, and you don't hurt my mother. You better know better than your life than you're going to hurt my mama. And that man had hurt my mother. He had said terrible things about her, and he made me so mad I wanted to punch him right in the face. You say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. I'm just being honest. I wanted to punch him right in the face. I went down to that altar for Sister Small, and I got down on my knees, and I went down saying, Lord, forgive me. Turn my life around, oh Jesus. And I began to cry and I began to say, I repent. I turn my life over to you. I'm giving you everything. And I noticed that my, my feelings began to change. I got real soft on the inside. I got real weepy on the inside. It was unbelievable how I was changing. And don't you know, the Lord just good enough to show me how I had transformed. I got up from the altar and I turned around and there was standing that man right in front of me. And in myself, had I not had that encounter with Jesus, 
I'd have sucker punched him right in the face, right there in the altar. But all I remember was that I stood up, Gene, and when I stood up, I looked, and there he stood, big as a barrel. He took up the whole aisle. You couldn't miss him. <laughs> did I say that? I, did, I repent. I repent. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm actually, I'm just playing, because I looked at him, and I loved him instantly. I didn't have to work it out. I didn't have to have a, a powwow. I didn't have to have a come to Jesus meeting. I didn't have to have nothing. I stood up and I looked and there he stood in front of me. And I just called him by name. And I walked up to him and, and I had to reach real far. <laughs> I reached up and I said, brother, I love you. I'm bawling, I'm crying, I love you. Now he hadn't been to the altar. So he was like, <laughs> you too, brother. But you know what? It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I turned and I felt so free. I felt like I could, you know, like Muhammad Ali. You know, I could just, I felt like I could do anything. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you exactly what I did. Right there in front of thousands of people at the hair arena. I turned around. I was like, woo! I went and I went running up the stairs. I got up on the stage and I started doing Rocky. Na, da, 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 da. I'm standing up there and I'm shouting to all those people. I'm like, I got saved. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. It all happened in one night. Unbelievable. The way God turned me upside down. I had been with Jesus, and it changed me instantly. Instantly. That's what you've got when you've been with Jesus. Oh, it's so hard to work things out for ourselves. It's so hard to try to untangle our messes. It's so hard to figure out what's the right words to say. And how should I do this? And those come to Jesus meetings and kumbaya meetings. We, we don't like those. We got to think, and those are so hard. You know the best thing you can do for your enemy? You know the best thing you can do for the crisis? You know the best thing you can do for the trouble? Be with Jesus. You can't hate anybody you're praying for. You can't, you can't be with Jesus and turn around and be the same. Everything changes. A divine life cannot be concealed. Your humility, your honesty, your approachability, your kindness under pressure, your truth-telling, and the grace. These are marks that you've been with Jesus. The world needs to see a difference now more than ever. Thank you, Gary. Now more than ever, they need to see a difference. They need to know that this is real. We used to sing that old song, it's real, it's real, I know it's real. The world is hungry 
They're desperate and they're looking. But so far, they've seen nothing that impresses them. But I go back in Scripture to a place where even the enemies of Peter and John were astonished, marveled that these men had been with Jesus. Even their enemies could tell. I'm here to challenge you tonight. You are not to be the same person when you've been with Jesus. You're not to be the same. Oh, that's hard. That's hard. Pastor, do you realize what you're saying? You mean I got to clone myself? No, not like any other human being. But you do got to look like him. You do need to be evident that you've been with him. Because you can't be with him and be the same. It's impossible. Stand with me tonight. The people that figure this out are usually people that have been through a lot of suffering and pain. They've gone through the fire. They've come out pure because of the testing of the character because of the troubles and the trials that have caused suffering and pain. It's usually when our back is against the wall that we go running. But my challenge tonight is do we have to wait till then? Do we really have to wait until our back's against the wall and trouble has hit us on every side? Do we have to wait for the shipwreck? Do we have to wait? For the change? Do we have to wait for the dungeon? Perhaps you're there. Perhaps you're already there. And that's all right. But my challenge to all of us is to get with Jesus, to seek, to seek the presence of Jesus, to seek to be with Him. Ten minutes, five minutes, you and him, and you'll have a whole new outlook. You'll have a whole new thought process. Everything will change. You came in here hungry. You came in here thirsty. You came in here needing tonight. What's that old Karen Wheaton song? I give you Jesus. He's the living water. He's the living water. You're so thirsty. He's the living water. You can't do no better than that. The woman at the well left her water pots and went running back to town. Come see this man. Who is he? He's Jesus. Would you lift your hands right where you are and just call on his name? He'll meet you right there. I give you Jesus. I give you Jesus. He's the water that you drink and you never thirst again. He's the living water. We thank you tonight, Lord. I give you every care and every person here tonight. I pray that you will meet their needs the moment, the moment, God, they step out into this altar. 
as we're praying right now, would you just do that? Would you step out, everybody, under the sound of my voice? I would ask for a, a whole general church altar call. Would you come? Just come and stand down across the front of this sanctuary. Let's come together. But come calling his name. Jesus. I'm desperate for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I Thank you, Jesus.